Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interaction. So, welcome everyone to this month's podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. My name's Adam Farmer and I'm a gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London. Uh, this month, it's my great pleasure uh, to welcome Professor Walter de Jong and Rose Willems from Tyatun Institute for Liver and Intestinal Research at the Academic Medical Centre in Amsterdam in the ne- Netherlands. So, Walter and Rose, many thanks for joining us on the podcast uh, this month and congratulations to you and your co-authors on your paper and titled Neuronal Control of Experimental Colitis Occurs Via Sympathetic Intestinal Innovation. So Walter, can you tell me a little bit about the autonomic nervous system and the cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway? Yes, certainly uh, I can. Um, so we are we are interested in this pathway for a long time, as, as many others. The the, the the cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway, in fact, is a way by which the autonomic nervous system can control inflammation. And it's been revealed uh, in the late 19th century already by seminal work of uh, Professor Kevin Tracy and others that showed that, uh, for instance, the development of fever and inflammation was controlled by the largest cholinergic nerve uh, of the autonomic nervous system, the vagus nerve. And that would, for instance, show that fever can be diminished by cutting the vagus nerve. And, and by stimulating vagus, verse, vagus nerve activity, uh, the, the, other, the, other, the, the other effect was achieved. So uh, fever could be reduced and blood pressure release could be reduced uh, by stimulating the vagus nerve output. So that was what the cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway was termed. Um, uh, but since then, there were a number of questions on what actually the mechanism was by which this activity was brought about. And so we got interested into another aspect of the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system. And that is the basics of our of our paper, where we uh, describe that the sympathetic fibers are more effective in reducing inflammation uh, than the vagus nerve, in our model at least. So in your mind, what are the weaknesses in the current evidence base regarding the vagal or cholinergic anti-inflammatory pathway? And what are the effects of the sympathetic nervous system on pain and inflammation? Well, uh, I I think the the original work by by Kevin Tracy was was seminal in a way that uh, it was discovered that the nervous system, and specifically the autonomic nervous system, uh, was operating in an immune regulatory fashion, but it seems to be a bit more complex than we originally thought. Uh, the vagus nerve certainly is of influence, for instance, in an endotoxemia model, as uh, Professor Tracy and others have shown, and we can also reproduce that. But if we look at more specific intestinal inflammation, as we did in our paper, uh, the vagus nerve does not really supply innervation to the colon. We work in a colitis uh, model and colitis patients uh, obviously suffer from inflammation in the, in, the, in the large intestine and the colon. And the vagus nerve innervation to that organ is not that intense. That, that's what made us a bit doubtful on whether the vagus nerve 
uh, would have uh, a, a, a real dramatic input on the way colitis uh, develops. Uh, there was one argument, and the other argument is that uh, the vagus nerve is a cholinergic nerve. It releases S2 choline, which is a neurotransmitter. It's very short-living. Uh, it has only a half-life of a couple of milliseconds. So if the vagus nerve activity release of S2 choline would contribute to an anti-inflammatory activity in the, in the intestinal mucosa, this would mean that uh, the vagus nerve regime have to reach immune cells to have a direct in effect on these immune cells reactivity. And this is not something that we and others have uh, observed. So uh, that's why we moved to another part of the sympathetic nervous system where at least we think in a colitis inflammatory response would be more rationale uh, to think that this is an autonomic nervous system activity that, that's really important in the development of colitis. And in our studies, uh, we, we investigated at first by doing a colitis model. So we performed a colitis model and cut the vagus nerve terminals and did not really see an effect on the course of the colitis. Whereas if we cut the sympathetic nerve terminal supplying the intestine, the colitis got worse. So, Rose, um, welcome to the podcast. And um, can you tell me a little bit about the DSS uh, model of colitis that's used in a lot of studies nowadays? Yes. Uh, thank you, Adam. Um, so the DSS animal model is a, a chemical model where you uh, give the animals... Uh, dextron sodium sulfate uh, in the drinking water and this causes damage of the mucosa of the colon and uh, thereby uh, an inflammatory response of mainly innate immune cells and um, you can use it as either an acute colitis model or a more chronic model and we decided to go for the acute model here where after uh, a couple of days of the DSS in the drinking water these animals develop uh, uh, colitis in mainly the distal part of the colon. So what were the aims of your study? So uh, yeah we had two um, main aims. One aim was to determine the effect of the intestine specific vagotomy and also the sympathectomy so cutting either the vagal input or the sympathetic input towards the intestine and uh, we wanted to see what this effect was on the DSS induced uh, uh, colitis model. And the other aim was, um, uh, I think, even more interesting to see what happens if you stimulate the sympathetic input towards the intestine, what happens with the DSS-induced colitis. So that were the two main aims. So what methods did you use in your study to uh, address those aims? Yeah, so, uh, um, well, we, we, we made use of the animal models, so we made use of both mice and rats um, to investigate this, and uh, um, uh, at the end of, the, of the, the study and terminating the animals, I think what was very interesting for us in that the, in the rat model, we made use of endoscopy, uh, and endoscopy is widely used in, uh, in human studies and in clinic uh, as a diagnostic tool. So for us, it was very uh, interesting that we can uh, relate this to clinic very well. So just before the sacrifice of the animals, we uh, performed an endoscopy. Uh, so that was uh, interesting to us and very telling. And I think um, 
uh, also what common techniques like uh, qPCR and ELISAs were performed to to look in uh, into the effects in the colon. So, what were your key results to uh, come out of your study? Yeah, so uh, to our surprise, uh, uh, the the phagotomy that we performed had no effect on the DSS-induced colitis, whilst the sympathectomy worsened the DSS-induced uh, in colitis, um, showing that the sympathetic innervation uh, rather than the vagal innervation might be important in regulating inflammation. And um, subsequently, we stimulated the superior mesenteric nerve, uh, the sympathetic nerve towards the intestine, and we saw uh, a clinical improvement um, uh, after stimulation uh, of the DSS-induced colitis in these animals. What do you see as the limitations of your study? Yeah, what I think is the hardest uh, part of, of these kind of studies is that there is not a lot known about the right parameters concerning the stimulation. So how long do you want to stimulate? Um, what kind of pulse do you want to give? And we struggled a lot with, uh, with that and um, uh, trying to optimize this. Uh, and furthermore, it's good to realize that the DSS model, uh, it is very commonly used, but it is sometimes a, a, a harsh model. Um, so it's um, hard to tease out subtle differences sometimes. So Walter, what do you think are the potential uh, therapeutic implications uh, of your paper for, for patients with immune-mediated inflammatory disorders such as inflammatory bowel disease? Yes, Adam. I think uh, the the idea of uh, employing the autonomic nervous system by stimulating it to treat disease is a very intriguing one. Uh, we're actually in clinical uh, test phases quite quite far. There's, there's quite a number of pioneering studies uh, undertaken in Leuven, for instance, and here in our hospital ourselves. And these are multi-center trials by, for instance, also Bruno Bonas and Grenoble, uh, that is performing vagal nerve stimulations to treat inflammatory disease. Here we see efficacy of those studies in rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, we also see some efficacy in Crohn's disease. Um, I think the implication of our study is that we're not saying that the vagus nerve has no effect whatsoever on any part of the immune system. It's more so that we added another layer of complexity, if I may, to, uh, to, to reach a better understanding of how the vagus or any autonomic nervous element could achieve this. Uh, what, what we also showed is that there is certainly potential of stimulating bundles of nerves to target uh, immune uh, cells or immune infiltrates or, or organs. And a clear advantage for the patient is obviously uh, that in opposed to taking oral medicine uh, as an immune suppressive agent, we're now looking into a system where we can reach an integrated, very selective, short-acting method of immune suppression uh, that can in fact do without uh, side effects of any of the known immune suppressants that we, uh, that we know now. And for patients, uh, we, we and others uh, actually uh, witness an enormous uh, enthusiasm to take part of these trials, although they're very, as I said, they're very pioneering. We're stimulating nerve bundles without exactly knowing what the ultimate effect of that stimulation is. 
So that's why I think these, these, our study and others uh, are really important in uh, developing the, a better understanding of how uh, the nervous system interacts with immune cells because that interaction is there. We know it from, from, from decades ago. Uh, actually, it may even be uh, the basis of uh, electroacupuncture and all other approaches that the Chinese even used. Uh, so this is an exciting time, and uh, we're we're really happy to be to be part of this uh, via this study for patients as well as for basic scientists. Uh, and it's clear from from your study that it, that uh, it really does take the field uh, forward significantly. But what do you see as the key knowledge gaps um, over the forthcoming years? Um, so our sympathetic nerve approach is an alternative to that. And we think that what our study has shown is that the vagus nerve is a very broad acting nerve uh, that may be uh, easily accessible, but it may also act via other nervous systems. And our application of uh, stimulating the sympathetic mesenteric nerve branch uh, may, may find its way into clinical practice because uh, sometimes these nerves are very well reachable during surgery, for instance. Uh, and can be a, a, a way to more distally target specific organs. Instead of uh, stimulating a vagus nerve, one may uh, make a disease-specific decision on which nerve or nerve plexus would be the most suitable to, to use for treatments. And in our case, I think our study has shown, at least in an animal model, that the sympathetic mesenteric nerve branch is a very well suited branch for that. But there may be others and uh, we're, we're, we're developing other ideas around other nerve branches that may be uh, even more effective. So with that I'd like to, to thank uh, both yourself and Rose and your co-authors for a really elegant and, and excellent paper and also for assisting in this month's podcast and also to our listeners for, for tuning in and I look forward to welcoming you on another instalment uh, next month. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.